Great news. Side Retired is now partnered with SeatGeek. For all ticketing needs, go to SeatGeek.com and use promo code SIDERETIREDPOD in all capitals for $20 off your first order. We've got you covered from all things ranging from sporty events to concerts, including the NFL and NHL. Yes, this means we're officially taking you out to the ball game. And now for today's edition of Side Retired Podcast. It is the fun part of the MLB offseason. We have reached the winter meetings. It is December 5th. All the MLB executives are out in San Diego. We are still here on Zoom recording everything and all the latest that is happening in the baseball world. Fred McGriff is officially a Hall of Famer. Jacob deGrom is officially a Texas Ranger. And Justin Verlander seems like he might be going to the Mets. But again, a lot of rumors are going to come out over these next couple of days. Watch out for all the fake Twitter trolls that you will definitely see. Definitely follow those Jeff Pass and John Heyman, Joel Shermans, as they will be giving you all the latest from San Diego over these next couple of days. Obviously, everyone's flying down to the winter meetings yesterday and today. Things are getting started with the Hall of Fame announcement that Fred McGriff is in. Barry Bond, Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, Albert Bell, Don Mattingly are out. Jack, how are you feeling based on this announcement? Fred McGriff is certainly a very deserving candidate. I think I'll pass it to James, who will... Summarized the side retired position on the state of Hall of Fame voting. McGriff accumulated over 50 war in his career. His overall offensive numbers uh, equate well to the average Hall of Famer. Um, the war probably a little down um, just because, you know, with first base, especially lacking defensive metrics um, and just, you know, the, the positional adjustments kind of hurts in there. Um, it, you can make the argument more so than it, it, it should. Um, certainly, you know, I'd say on the lower echelon of Hall of Famers, not to like take away anything away from him. But um, needless to say, certainly a very deserving candidate, so one that many people would say this is long overdue. Um, several, you know, a great overall player for the Blue Jays, uh, San Diego Padres, Atlanta Braves. So I assume he's going to go into the Hall of Fame wearing their cap, uh, the Tampa Bay Double Rays, Chicago Cubs, and finally with the Los Angeles Dodgers. So certainly a Hall of, all around Hall of Fame career from spanning from the 80s to the 2000s, a career 134 OPS plus, a very, you know, a high at bat receiving M. MVP awards from uh, 1988 through 1993, and then again in two later years in 95 and 96. So an overall solid offensive career and very deserving who will hopefully join at least one other member who will be elected via the base BWAA uh, ballot later in January. So McGriff finished his career with 493 home runs, seven shy of the ultimate 500 number that is basically all but a guarantee to get you in the Hall of Fame. In MLB history, there have been 28 players to hit 500 career home runs. The only ones who are not in the Hall of Fame are Albert Pujols, who we know eventually will get in, Alex Rodriguez, steroid tint, Barry Bonds, steroids, Sammy Sosa, steroids, Rafael Palmero, steroids, Manny Ramirez, steroids, and Miguel Cabrera will eventually definitely be getting in as well in the future. And then Gary Sheffield, who is people consider steroids it's an odd case to go in that situation but every single player that has hit 500 career home runs was a for sure first ballot hall of famer completely in except for those guys that we just mentioned as caveat fred mcgriff had to wait all 15 years on the mlb actual hall of fame ballot because i'm pretty sure he was grandfathered into the system and got 15 years but here deservingly so got a unanimous election into the hall of fame however two or three of the guys that we just mentioned 
in Palmero and Bonds were up for election again this year and they did not get in. James, what does it say about the Hall of Fame ballot and voting process that now this time, because everyone used to complain, oh, it's the writers that didn't vote for Bonds and Bonds and Clemens ended around like 70%, I think it was 70, 65% or so. They didn't actually get the 75%, but they said, don't worry when they're voted on by their peers and by MLB executives on this sort of second chance ballot, they will do better. And they actually did worse. They only got a maximum of three out of the 12 votes. MLB doesn't reveal in order to sort of save face if you get between zero and three of the 16 ballots. There's a rumor that Bonds got zero of the 16, but we know for a fact that they got between zero and three. Seems like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are never getting into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah, so Jack said he'd pass the side retired, uh, you know, group feeling about the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's a joke. Um, it's a friendship club. It's it's where it's where buddies who were who were good friends decide to let their friends into the Hall of Fame. You know, we put Harold Baines in a couple of years ago. We're starting to just let these scrubs in who are friends with other guys that have made it. And it's a complete joke. How are you not going to have some of the greatest players of all time in in your place that you say is the the or, or that tells the story of baseball? Oh yeah, we're just we're just gonna tell the story of baseball without the seven-time Cy Young Award winner. We'll tell the story of baseball without the all-time home run leader, single-season home run leader, greatest hitter of all time. Like it's a joke. I mean, to to not even have half the players, I, I don't even know. To not even have ten people vote him is a joke. To have nobody vote for him, even guys that are that are picking players that definitely took steroids and played in the same era as him. It is a joke. So I'm very surprised. I'm very disappointed. Um, but honestly, like another part of it is just like it's major league baseball. They don't get anything right in general anyways. So just, just another, or as I like to say, common MLBL. And then there will be the second half of the MLB hall of fame voting process, which will be released in early January, which is the guys who retired five years ago and all the guys still on the current bout. That'll include Scott Rowland, Carlos Beltran, and a couple other players of that ilk. We will definitely do an episode in the future. Once the MLB free agency sorts to de- starts to die down, we will definitely give you a ballot update and who the t- three of us would vote for in our 10-person ballot. The other thing, though, that has happened since the last time we've recorded, Jacob deGrom is gone. And I've had five stages of grief that have come and gone and i think i'm in acceptance and i think i'm in the bring on justin verlander and kate upton to new york phase right now and rumor seems to think that it is jack i'll go to you first as the unbiased opinion because i've ranged from steve cohen has 19 billion dollars you should pay jacob Degrom any and everything that you can have because he's your franchise tom Seaver, and you don't let him go to also jacob Degrom pitched 60 innings last year and pitched around the same, I believe, 100 innings the year prior, and he got paid, and this was a calculation according to MLB Network. How much do you think Jacob deGrom made per inning that he pitched the last two seasons? I believe his AAV was around $35 million. and then this past year he made, what, like eight starts? Say averaged five innings. Each was like four. So this year he probably made close to, uh, you know, a million per start. So uh, I don't know how much. He made $400,000 per inning pitched. I love Jacob deGrom more than any player in baseball, but according to MLB Network, he made $400,000 per inning pitched, which is an insane number. 
So now, Jack, take it away that Jacob deGrom has now signed a five-year, $185 million contract with Texas. No denying, the best pitcher in baseball, caveat, when healthy. Yeah, going into the offseason, I believe I I thought that Verlander and DeGrom would be in the ballpark, the same uh, kind of deal that Max Scherzer had, whether it was the length or the AAV. DeGrom, I figured, would get somewhere around three years. Maybe the team that would be willing to give him a fourth would be the one that's, you know, edges the others out and uh, wins the sweepstakes. When I saw the Jeff Pass notification that he was signed a $185 million deal for five years, potentially six, I was astounded. I thought, you know, knowing the Rangers, they certainly have a young core coming up with Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker. Now those guys are going to be filing in behind DeGrom as they make their major league debuts. but really fits brilliantly on their end. They have a three-headed monster between DeGrom, um, Seager, and Simeon that they can use to advertise ticket sales while they're still waiting to really enter that contending window, which they should, and hopefully, um, if not next season, if the year after. So overall, I think you have to applaud the Rangers for going out, signing a guy like that. And I think you mentioned how DeGrom really is the, the second best pitcher in the history of the New York Mets behind Tom Seaver. And if you remember previously, Tom Seaver, you know, he left in a similar fashion. There'll be a trade. You know, you talk about the Mets decline post uh, post that deal and like, you know, how it really affected Mets fans. And I think there's several media members analogizing that to DeGrom's current situation, saying how Steve Cohen, Billy Epler, you cannot let DeGrom leave. It put your franchise back, you know, maybe a decade last time you did. And it certainly would not age well for you to do so now. So I think the fact that the Mets did does not will not bode well. Hopefully, I'm I am a big Jacob Degrom fan. I love watching him pitch. He certain as you said, he is hands down the best starting pitcher when healthy. And I think at for the time being, he should remain a top the number one spot on all starting pitching lists entering next season. More on that later. But you know, as you mentioned. I think this narrative that Steve Cohen has infinite money has to be put to rest. He has a stopping point. I think going in, there were several fans who thought, no, hell, not a $300 million, a $400 million payroll. Steve, he spent $140 on the stick figure. He doesn't care. He'll pay anyone whatever he wants. Clearly not the case. I think I've been saying this for a while. You've talked about potential upgrades that he's passed on before, whether it was George Springer, Trevor Bauer, other ones that like you know you can get deep, um, dive bigger into those certain particular cases. But there's now numerous free agents where Cohen could have spent the extra money. I'm not trying to be little Steve Cohen because this is kind of like a straw man argument in the sense that Cohen is still the Mets likely will have the largest payroll in baseball. But, you know, the narrative that Mets fans have that they're going to be able to buy anyone, that their money is no object, has to be put to rest. I get the Robinson Cano, you know, that is still mind boggling, but there clearly is a price to be had. And I put, you know, Jacob DeGrom, if the Mets really wanted him, and I think even if he's hurt, for the majority of his contract, I think the value you could bring um, per inning. And also if you can strategically get him ready for health, you know, for uh, the postseason with his health, his numerous health issues, I think that could, they could have still made it work. I think there's two things to take away is that one, Steve Cohen does have a limit. So may, so may it be that it is the largest limit that Major League Baseball has ever seen. And also I think perhaps at the Mets, this was just not meant to be whether it was at the fact that they only started him on non-extended rest, only five, uh, you know, less than six days, um, only once past season, he went on extended rest every other start. And also the fact that, you know, they didn't really make an active push, especially once they saw the writing on the wall that the Rangers are going to be the ones to sign him. They kind of backed off. So I think kind of the separation was eventually inevitable once it came down to what the market saw and that they're ready to move on. I think, as you mentioned, Justin Verlander, um, Carlos Rodon, Cody Senga, certainly going to be a very different Mets rotation next year. 
Yeah, I mean, I uh, I couldn't agree more, Jack. Um, and you know, I just I can't even believe you said that that name that you you brought up with Stevie Cohen, Mr. Trevor Bauer. I mean, I thought I'd never hear that name ever from your mouth again. Um, but yeah, um, I think I think it just wasn't meant to be with Degrom and the Mets anymore. I don't think it was a matter of of anything more than that, to be honest. Um, you know, if the Mets sign him back, you're kind of always dealing with that. Ooh, if some little thing spurs up, you know, Degrom's going out. You know, Degrom really had nothing, nothing more to prove to the Mets. I guess would be the way to say it. You know, I think a fresh start for him in Texas shows that. Hey, maybe when that nagging injury shows up, hey, hey, Jacob, you're gonna have to pitch through that now. You know, you're not in New York anymore. You can't just sit out and say, "Oh, my arm hurts. I'll come back in two months when I want to pitch again." Um, you just got paid. Uh, you know what? I think it was thirty-seven million dollars a year for the next five years. Like, guess what, man? You're gonna have to go out and make you know thirty plus starts a year if if your arm doesn't isn't ripped in two different pieces. So, I do need. I need to defend Steve Cohn a little bit for the amount that Jack bashed him. And you kind of added on there a little bit at the end. The rumor is Jacob deGrom did not give the Mets the chance a to match the offer B to even know that the Texas Rangers were coming and had made an offer because Steve Cohen apparently was notified when or Friday night, two hours before the public that Jacob deGrom was already far down the road and taking a physical in Texas. There was no chance that the Mets were able to offer anything close. Now, apparently the rumors of the Mets offered a three or $120 million contract, which I think as Jack, you indicated, that was a strong offer. What you thought most people sort of in the baseball world expected DeGrom and Verlander get 40 million on average a year for two to three seasons. That was a fair initial offer. And the rumor was that the Mets said to Jake, okay, this is our offer. We're going to remain in constant, consistent dialogue and let us know if someone beats that. And apparently they just got notification that I'm going to Texas see you guys later, which proves that the simple man, the guy that was on the mound for the the last player left in the 2015 World Series that was still on the team, didn't want to be here. And maybe that's because he's from Florida and you can read the Joel Sherman and the John Heyman articles that are basically saying the politics of New York, the media of New York. He wants to be in a rural city, which... Have fun in Texas, Jake. No state income tax and all that fun that makes the Rangers contract appealing to him. But it seems like I don't know if you can put all the blame on Steve Cohen saying that, oh, he's not willing to spend if and Jack mentioned the Trevor Bauer thing. So I will go there as well. Steve Cohen offered a higher AAV and more money to Bauer and Bauer said no and went back to Los Angeles. So it seems like Steve Cohen's money is around, and that was a fun little plug. That was a great interview that we did a couple weeks ago. If you haven't checked that out yet, definitely check out that interview with Mackenzie Toll of Lewis Sports and Toll Sports Management as well. Nice little plug there. But if he goes out and he signs Justin Verlander to $45 million a year, that proves that Steve Cohen's willing to spend the money. Jacob Drum just wasn't willing to accept it. Now, we do get to the winter meetings, and Jack will come to you first. What do you think happens in these next couple of days? Is it Aaron Judge? Is it Trey Turner? Is it Justin Verlander? What's going to happen in the baseball world? I think I'm going to go with Judge. I, I was going to say I avoided at first saying the Yankees to Judge, just knowing that that seemed like the favor to move at first. I think that would be a heavy bet. But I saw recently the Giants actually have been named via, I don't know if it's technically Vegas, because I don't believe there's a certain book where you can actually place the bet. It's more so just for like, data and like you know kind of a setting point but the Giants have actually moved ahead as the favorites for Aaron Judge barring I guess some recent reports that he wants a nine-year deal I do think the Yankees are going to go that way I believe a similar 
kind of um, uh, similar stigma and like rumors surrounded around the DJ LeMay free agency, where there was rumors about would the Yankees not be willing to match, would the Blue Jays come in? But in the end, the Yankees gave nine years, two more people thought for a kind of a sort of discounted um, AAV. Joel Sherman said today he predicted Judge's deal would be 337 for nine, which would be a 38 AAV. I think that's pretty uh, well within the realm of what the Yankees can pay and how Steinbrenner is going to be very eager to do it, considering the marketability and the revenue Judge brings in. Um, I think that's my pick. And I, I'd be shocked if the San Francisco Giants managed to outbid, especially considering Despite what, how, what Brian Cashman says, I think he's trying to even challenge himself with building the team without Judge. House Brian Brenner knows how much money Judge is to him, how much more valuable and the, the necessity to keep a player like that, even if he's not as you know rash and uh, involved as his father was. James, give us your bold prediction. Uh, I'm going to go against Jack Staffenbach, and I'm going to say, that we can lock it in. Aaron Judge will be in the Bay Area um, by the end of winter meetings. Uh, not only is this a prediction, this is a hopeful thought of mine. Uh, I hope that I just saw Aaron Judge play his last game in pinstripes a few months ago. Um, well, yes, he's a great player, and I think he'll be a great player for the next three to four seasons. Uh, I do not want to pay him $38 million a year for years five, six, seven, eight, and nine of this contract he's looking for. And I'm happy with letting him walk away. So I'm hoping that Aaron Judge will be in the orange and black over in San Francisco by the time these winter meetings are are finished. James, if you don't want to pay Judge, how do you suppose they? Because you can't just have empty money. How are you going to replace that value? I just want to hear how you would replace someone of that magnitude for that cost. Because I'd, I'd say it's it's probably easier to pay Judge 38 than two players in the aggregate who would actually cost the net more. Than he would to replace that kind of value. So what, you know, um, who who is that possibly that the Yankees could find, especially in the outfield market that they have a uh, a very very gaping hole right now um, as the current structure of the team. There's a pretty good guy that pitches and hits uh, that'll be a free agent after this next season. That, hey, pause off Otani. That's our guy. That I think would be really cool. So I I'll save my money for that guy. So your your plan is to you don't lose care in twenty twenty three. What do you mean losing twenty twenty three? We have we have top prospects in baseball. We're talking about trading for Brian Reynolds. I mean, there's still moves that are going to be made. Like I'm not saying that, but I mean, shoot, I'd say forty five million dollars at least. I mean, I don't know how much Otani is going to cost, but it's going to cost more than like I think we've ever seen yeah, a guy in the sport cost. It's uh, going right, to cost Degrom money. It's that's more, much more than more. Degrom. It's going to be, it's going to be like, it's going to be much more than Scherzer's AAV over an extrapolated contract. So you're talking about paying a guy much more who has had injury concerns before and also doesn't fill your hole of playing outfield. And you're also talking about a more massive bidding war. There's zero guarantees for Otani like you would have judged. Oh, can I, there's no guarantee, but I mean, you're telling me you're not getting a better player. You're lying right to my face. I mean, I, I'm going to counter your, you're going to enter a massive bidding war because I don't, thinking about Judge right now, the whole thing there's, is it's the Giants and it's the Yankees. There's three teams that's that it. can compete for Otani. Exactly. There's only the Mets, the Dodgers, 
and the Yankees are the only teams oh, that can only afford Only the Mets, Dodgers, and Yankees, only the two teams. But it's the same thing as Judge right now, baseball. where it's there's only the Giants and the Yankees, which, yes, I get you the whole thing about that. Yeah, all the, it takes for a bidding war is two teams. But the Yankees, it's, it's not the same. But it's like the Yankees, you're talking about like two, like totally different. You're talking about like, you know, um, Apple getting in a bidding war with like cricket, you know, Verizon getting a cricket war with cricket mobile. It's like two totally different, you know, from an economic standpoint. Like the Yankees and Giants, in terms of financial means, they're they're not it's not in the same ballpark like and also not even the financial means the you know Yankees can sell a culture of winning Otani is in the same way Judge he's talked about you know having to win there's also you the Angels could sign him to an extension so you you can't navigate your your offseason currently if you're the New York Yankees as go, going off like you know a potential free agent one you don't even know is going to be there and one if you're talking about you want to even I mean, someone just... like someone acquire him at the trade deadline now for a massive prospect for half a season then you would have to go out and shell out another tens of millions of dollars just to get him. So you're, you're speaking of a potential when you were talking about right now, the New York Yankees are in the middle of a championship window. You can't just punt on a season like this by bowing Wait. and not signing a top free agent. Can I, can I ask you a question back though? Yes. You just said that, that the giants don't have the money to sign Otani. No, I where said, are yeah, the, no. where, wait, 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 hold up, hold up. Hold I up. think if, if the where giants the sign Angels? judge, wait, they're wait, not. Wait, wait, wait. Hold up, hold up. Where are the angels coming up? with the money for an extension for Otani. Well, he's getting paid 30 million this year. So I assume they could shell out, you know, they definitely they're in talks right now with several of the top free agents and they have made, they want to extend him. And he said before he wants to win. So it's Otani. If he's not signing with the angels, it's not due to a lack of funds. It's due to a lack of. What about Juan Soto too? Doesn't Juan Soto hit the open market next year? Yeah. I mean, Fernando Tatis is for Bivit. I mean, there's there's plenty of moves to be made if you don't want to sign Aaron Judge. I'm just saying. All right. The final thing I would play, play outfield, Jane. Who's going to get play outfield? Fernando Tatis. Fernando Tatis. Oh, that was a bad experiment two years ago. That was a. Although apparently there's a rumor that they're signing Bogarts and that they're going to move Tatis to center to right field. I will go with my bold prediction that my roommate did just whisper to me. So I'm stealing it from him. Carlos Rodon is going to sign with the Phillies. The Phillies are going to have a massive three-headed monster at the top of their rotation with Zach Wheeler, with Aaron Nola, and Carlos Rodon. He's the first and Ranger Suarez. Four, and Ranger four Suarez. That's going to be the Phillies already winning the World, or they made the World Series last year. It seems like they want to dial in on a top shortstop, whether that's Trey Turner, Xander Bogart, someone like that. But I think the Phillies could also benefit and say it's Dave Dombrowski. Remember, he just spends money wherever he sees it fit. If all of a sudden he hears that the Mets are close on Carlos Rodon or that the Mets are signing Justin Verlander, he could say, I'm going to counter that. I'm going to go get myself a big-time ace as well. And that's where Carlos Rodon will come in as well. My second bold prediction, so I did have a second one because that one is, again, a little bit stolen. I think there's a 2022 MLB All-Star that nobody has even thought about getting traded that gets dealt. That does not include Brian Reynolds. That does not include Sean Murphy, Brandon Woodruff, Willie Adamas, Corbin Burns. Am I missing any of the other guys that are already being floated out? I don't remember off the top of my head. But I think there's a guy that was a prominent baseball player that nobody's even thinking about getting traded. Maybe it's Tatis. Just saying he is suspended, so maybe it's him. There's a player out there that we are not thinking about. Maybe it's Cattell Marte. But there's someone that we aren't thinking about that's getting dealt because it always happens at the winter meetings. And of course, we are officially in winter meetings week. We will have another episode out for you guys Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, breaking down all the signs that happened Monday and Tuesday. And again, Friday morning, a great interview is coming out this week towards the end of the week 
with another baseball insider as always. All right, Jack, James, anything else you guys want to throw in? Nodding heads, shaking heads. If you haven't checked out our interview with Ole Miss Director of Analytics for Baseball for them, that was a great interview where he talked about the importance of analytics at the professional as well as college level because he works at Ole Miss as well as previously with the Philadelphia Phillies. So if you haven't checked that out, make sure to do there. The Twitter, the Instagram, the TikTok, the YouTube. And until the next time, the side is retiring.